Welcome back to the Resilient Responder Podcast. Today, I have an international guest, our first one, our first international guest, my friend Arjuna George from British Columbia, Canada, retired fire chief, 24 years, Arjuna, is that correct? That is correct, yeah, 24 years, almost 25. Nice, nice. We're going to have a great conversation today, me and AJ. Uh, we're going to talk about everything from resiliency down to coaching. Uh, AJ actually runs his own Silver Arrow Coaching and Consulting up there in Canada. Uh, and I got to ask you, because you're my first Can Canadian guest, I got to ask, you guys really wear denim jackets still? Do you do? <laughs> well, only since uh, Yellowstone came out. <laughs> of course, right? Wait for a TV <laughs> show to come out. Here comes the denim uh, tuxedos, right? Yeah, that's right. No, well, there's a few denim. Yeah, for sure. Stanfields. Stanfields. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Stanfields. Oh, man, you got to have the joke. Yeah. I, I do this for oh, everybody. For sure. You know, yeah. it's part of the job. And, but uh, I'm going to let AJ kind of kind of roll with it and give a little background on what he's done and, you know, what his career was and what he's doing now. Uh, for me, yeah, 24 years in the fire service. Um, beautiful Salt Spring Island on the west coast of Canada. Uh, kind of the, the tropical banana belt of Canada, <laughs> they say. Nice. <laughs> Um, 24 years uh, in one department, which is pretty unique. So I got to be, uh, you know, essentially my dream job in my hometown, which is kind of a unique situation to be in. Uh, I moved up through the ranks uh, through, I uh, started as a volunteer back in 1997. Hmm. And uh, after four short years, I landed the first career firefighter job there and moved up through the ranks to firefighter to a uh, captain, training officer, assistant chief, deputy chief, and then fire chief for the last five years. Uh, and then I retired in uh, last year, last November in 2021. Uh, my career was definitely cut short. Um, my goal was not to retire um, after only 24 years. So I was right. hoping to go a little longer. And that all stemmed from burnout, uh, occupational, uh, organizational burnout. Um. Yeah, and that's kind of what brings me here today, what's sparked my new career, which is Silvero Coaching Consulting, uh, helping fire chiefs across Canada uh, manage stress, become more resilient. Uh, that is my goal, because I, I definitely felt as myself being in the fire chief role, very isolating role it can be, uh, very, um, you know, tough decisions you got to make. And if you're yep. doing that by yourself, that can be pretty overloading. Uh, so for me, I, I found a gap there, and my next Encore career will be hopefully to to fill that gap across Canada. And then also I joined FRC as one of the coaches through the United States. And that's the biggest thing these days is is getting, you know, sharing that knowledge. And and I think, um, you know, building on what you said about, about helping other fire chiefs, it, it really is a very, uh, it's lonely at the top, right? Um, Definitely. You know, it's you're expected to, to do certain things. You're expected to operate at a certain level. And it's, it's a lot, it's something that a lot of us who never got out of, uh, or at least that high in the ranks, uh, don't really understand. And, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, much like you, uh, for those who don't know a lot about my story, I ended up leaving the fire service after 21, 21 years myself. And, uh, I got on 96, you know, so I was on, you know, back in the day and, uh, you know, in the Northeast here in the States and, there was always this um, tough guy mentality with it, yeah, especially as a first responder, but as a male, especially. Uh, and I would imagine this is this is the same up in your neck of the woods, too. And you go from not only you start as a private, you start as a firefighter, you know, on the front line. 
and you're you have this mentality but then you aspire to the five bugle position and you're now the leader of leaders and this on your department in your region and so not only is this you know tough guy sucking up mentality prevalent but now you have everyone quote unquote underneath you that is going through stuff so and i don't know this perspective this is this is great you're my first five bugle guest so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna grill you a little bit on this. So, that, as a fire chief, you know, knowing from you know your standpoint, your career ending because of burnout, how hard was it to to be able to attend to the the, the mental and and physical needs of your of your members? Like knowing that they you know they were you were edge on burnout themselves. You know what what did that look like for you? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess for myself, I I kind of prided myself that I was an ambassador for mental health in my organization that I promoted that. But looking back on it now, I obviously was promoting it exterior, but I really wasn't mm. fully embracing it myself. I was spending more time worrying and taking care of the firefighters, which is critical, of course. Yep. But I obviously was lacking a little self-care myself, right? Mm. So and that just kind of went uh, under the radar for many, many years. I just kind of ignored the signs that I was feeling personally. Um, so, yeah, I think for myself, I, I was a promoter of it. I definitely, I sent people to workshops, courses, became peer, peer leaders, uh, mental health specialists. And then, yeah, myself, I just wasn't uh, recognizing those red flags in my own body. Help others and you help yourself, right? Yes. So yeah. my message now is kind of like, that's number one, be your own first you responder and uh, take care of you. Number one, especially as a leader, because there's no way you're going to be able to effectively lead your organization if you're not, you know, mentally well as yourself. Right. So um, I think we spend so much emphasis on the firefighting skills and being strong and fit when our brains and our nervous systems are are ill and sick right right you know and that's and, and that's one of the things that we do we need to balance and, and the, the thing is you know being mentally well being okay and processing what we see on the job does not take away from what the job is you know mm -hmm. the job is always going to be stressful the job is always going to require you to be a unique kind of person to be able to do it and i think that's a, you know a misnomer with a lot of people is that you know acknowledging the ptsd acknowledging the burnout acknowledging the stressors of the job um they think that somehow that's going to you know if you acknowledge it and you work on it somehow that's going to take away the toughness uh that goes with it and, it, and it's not if anything it's going to make you a stronger person i know you know for me and i'm gonna i'm gonna bounce this question off of you i know for me when i started healing when i started dealing with my stuff um starting in 2015 and working through uh what ended up being the the pandemic um that i am a stronger person than i was um when i was on the job so so now knowing this um you know people like us you know we can go back and we can kind of utilize you know what we've learned and it sounds like that's that's what you're doing um so what what does that look like with what you're doing now with with silver arrow what what exactly do you do with that uh, new part of your life yeah well i just kind of expand on what you just said there for me i think if i went back to be a fire chief today i'd be a totally different person right uh, i've learned so much in the last two years uh, mm -hmm. to make myself a stronger human being for sure so 
Uh, but saying that, Silver Arrow is my new passion project, and and uh, I don't see myself going back operationally anytime soon. I think my niche and my ability to support fire chiefs in another way is is healthy for me, as well as it's supporting the community of the fire service and other first responder agencies. So Silver Arrow is, is essentially a, a coaching environment for chief officers, so acting chiefs. Um, any officers up to the fire chief level. And essentially I'm, I've niched down to that level just to support that one unique group mm. that I feel has some, some voids, some silos they get to work in mm. and the coaches. So I became a certified coach uh, last year and I really feel that coaching is an environment uh, that allows people to really open up, find out who they truly are as a person uh, and not live the lie and they, you know, really seek what sets their soul on fire and, and live the best life. Right. So that's, that's my goal moving forward. Um, consulting is a part of it, but coaching is really where I, I want to support the fire service. I think that's incredible. And, and, and part of this, um, which is, which is great with this particular episode is being able to talk about this, this coaching part of everything is um, how invaluable <laughs> priceless uh coaching really can be because it literally is conversation and um you know i was one of those guys for years thinking that uh, a lot of things were hocus pocus and you know like yoga and reiki and meditation and coaching and all this other stuff it was all like no 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 the only thing and and even up until the point where you know i would accept therapy um none of this stuff's going to work because it's so you know holistic so it's, it's not invasive and truly coaching uh, just because of what it is, it's simply a conversation, and it's being held accountable when you when you're setting goals and trying to get new perspectives. It's such an amazing uh, leadership building uh, tool, honestly, that can be utilized on so many different levels in, in emergency services. And I'm sure you agree, and which is probably why a lot of why you you do it now. Um, I wish, uh, you know, 25 years ago or so, uh, they were utilizing this in the fire service down here in, in, in the U.S. because um, just because they were in leadership roles didn't necessarily mean they were they were good leaders, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, and for me, coaching is what got me to coaching. Um, being coached by other amazing professionals that I know uh, is what got me into coaching, and it's actually what wrote my book. Like I honestly was sitting on the fence of writing a book, and one day, one day, one day, one day, I'll do that. And my coach challenged me and said, why wait? Let's do it. So it. Yep. Uh, I owe it to my coach to be where I am today uh, and to be able to uh, share that. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. So one of the things I always like to ask people, you know, especially the first responders um, who come on the, on the show is to kind of, to kind of bring it back to the job for, for a second. What was, um, and, and it's always funny to hear what people's response. What was your favorite part of the job? Hmm. It's always a tough question. It's always like, hmm, what, what, mm -hmm. was it the fires? Was it the, you know, was it? Uh, I don't, I, my first thing that comes to mind would be the people, people that I'm working with. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that I I love those people. I, I they'll always be part of my life. Um, and then I guess it would be the high adrenaline fires, right? Those, those big rescue calls, those big fires. But really the first thing would be the people. The people are the organization. That's what really built the fire service. Uh, trucks don't put out fires. Hmm. Um, people do. So, yeah. 
It's funny. I actually just uh, I I just watched Top Gun Maverick last night, and one of the lines is, "It's not the plane; it's the pilot." And oh, that's completely transferable to what you're just saying. It's not it's mm-hmm. not the fire pump; it's the person running. It's not the per- it's not the hose line; it's the person on the end of it. And uh, that can be transferred to any any kind of call we do uh, as as first responders, firefighters specifically. Um, it really takes a you know a good heart and, and a dedicated person to do this job. And um, I think that's what makes a lot of what we go through as first responders so hard, honestly. And this kind of leads us into our, in this next little part. For me, when, when I started getting, as you call it, burnout, uh, what ended up being for me PTSD, um, one of the biggest struggles I had was questioning why. Why I, I did this selfless job for so long. I got in very young. Why, why am I going through this? Did you ever find at any point before you started maybe seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Did you ever question why you were going through this? Why, why you had to go through what maybe this job was doing to you? Uh, for sure. I think I definitely felt that, but I, I would say looking back on it now, it was a pretty short duration. I'm a, I'm a pretty optimistic, positive person. And I, I kind of found the silver lining in all of my burnout, my symptoms, uh, how my body was feeling, I really felt that as a short-term thing and really changed my mindset and my gears and and said, I, I don't regret burning out. I don't regret going mm. through all that. I actually see it as a gift because now I'm able to, I got out of it. I'm recovering. I'm still recovering. Yep. But I feel like I'm definitely on the, the projection to to go to the, the next level. Um. And it's kind of, you know, the name of my book is Burnt Around the Edges. And that's how I felt was burnt around the edges, but not fully cooked through. Like I wasn't fully burnt out where I was never able to do anything again in my life. I have a fire burning inside of me right now to to do more. Mm. Um, I could tell. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, so it was a pretty short turnaround, really. It was, I really felt that I can't just dwell in this. I have to, I have to process it. And there was a time of, you know, sadness and depression and anxiety and all those things where I would just sit on my deck and stare out into the, to the Mm -hmm. ocean and just kind of be a vegetable for a day. Right. Um, But that's what my body needed. And that's what my mind needed. And I have no shame in, in that. Um, But it turned fairly fast where I was able to, all right, let's, let's use what I've learned and let's, let's make the world a better place. Yeah, and that's important. And I think, um, and that, I'm I'm glad you went that way with it. Uh, I'm the same way. I mean, I definitely spent some time in the suck, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have no regrets. And and I, one of the phrases I don't like to hear a lot is "everything happens for a reason." One of the ones I turn some words around. I use a different phrase, and it's called "we're all here at the time we need to be. We're all where we need to be at a certain time, right?" And I wouldn't be where I'm at. You wouldn't be where you're at if everything that had happened to us, with us whatever hadn't taken place. And these days, yes, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I'm, I'm actually very grateful. I've gone through what I, what I have gone through, um, especially with the job. And um, it is, it has made me able to do uh, what, I, what I do and in, in a lot of ways is similar to what you're doing. And, you know, part of that brings us to, you know, resiliency, which is obviously just the name of the podcast. Right. Um, and uh, one of the things I always try to stress is that, a lot of people like us uh, and other, um, for me in particular, other speakers who, who talk about this around the country, um, we're trying to get resiliency to stop being an after effect. 
it needs to stop being something we aim for and something we build from the beginning. Um, because then if you have it already, there's less of this chance of maybe an early burnout, right? Um, so what to you, in your words, what does resiliency mean to you? I think resiliency, I, I, I truly believe there is that classic where you're bouncing back, but I don't think bouncing back is, is healthy. I think mm -hmm. really what it should be is every time there's a, a challenge, turbulent times in your life, you should be experiencing it, embracing that feeling, but you should be growing from it. Uh, if you keep yo-yo back and forth, so being resilience and bouncing back like the classic term, really, you're not growing, you're not getting better, you're just going to experience that same challenge somewhere down the line once again. Um, so really, it's it's bouncing back, coming back from challenges, difficult times, but growing each time, I think, is the key um, and not the yo-yo effect. So, Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And that and that comes with being proactive. And I think that's where uh, the coaching part uh, really comes into play. Because if we're talking about, if we're having these 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 conversations and being asked these powerful questions from the get-go, uh, whether that's uh, recruit school, whether that's, you know, first time on the job, whatever it may be, if we're having these conversations and, make, and getting people to be aware, um, that's when you're going to get that early resiliency. Uh, and it's not just going to be, because there's resiliency, right? And then there's coping skills. And I, I think coping skills are great. Uh, coping skills can get you through the hardest of times. Um, but unfortunately, I, in my mind, this is just how I feel from, through my experience, coping skills are very temporary. They're acute. And they are literally there to get you through a moment in my mind. Resiliency is a long-term thing. Re resiliency is what's going to get us and bring us to a full life. And, um, you know, I know a lot of first responders, um, <laughs> Most of us have coping skills. I think from from day one we have coping skills. Uh, most of them are pretty unhealthy. Uh, whether that's you know booze, drugs, uh, women, gambling, whatever it may be. I mean, most of the coping skills which get us by, air quotes there, folks, um, are just doing that. They're getting us by. They're not helping us grow. They're not letting us heal. Uh, and I think that adds to the stigma now. I know for the most, you know, we're not Canada and, and the U.S. aren't really separate. It's not like you know the U.S. and Australia or anything like that. We're not separated by a lot. We're we share a lot of the same things, especially when it comes to uh, the fire service. When it comes to the stigma, what does that look like for you guys up in, up in Canada? Mm, well, I, I I truly think the stigma is dissolving. Um, it's slowly dissolving, but it has been kind of a work in progress for the last ten years. There's some real real amazing ambassadors through the fire service, especially in BC and, and across the country, but BC in particular, because that's where I, I know most of the fellows, but the ambassadors that are leading this, they are breaking some heavy ground um, and allowing people to be totally vulnerable and open um, talking about this kind of stuff. And they're making it the norm. They're making it not. And I am hopefully I'm part of that team as well, but I know there's some people that are just, they're they're really clearing the uh, clearing the way for this to to be the norm uh, across Canada. So uh, I think for us in uh, Salt Spring Fires, particularly, uh, it's 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 been a topic on our minds, a regular topic that we discuss almost on a daily basis about mental mm -hmm. health. Still a long way to go. Still a right. long way to go. And uh, and that's what one thing that I found was burnout 
was often not talked about. It was usually the PTSD, the traumatic injuries um, that were discussed at conferences, workshops. But when it came to organizational burnout, that was kind of, it was kind of just moved off. And I, right. I know there's a lot of people that deal with traumatic stress, but there's also a lot of people that deal with organizational political stress uh, that ends a lot of careers as well. So. Right. Right. And we're actually going to talk about some of that in, uh, in just a few. We're going to take a quick break, folks, uh, with a word from our sponsor, First Responder Coaching, and we'll be right back. Coaching is here now for all first responders and their families. When it comes to the job and the stresses that come with it, we at First Responder Coaching know exactly how it can affect every aspect of your life and the lives of those around you. That's because we are first responders and their families. First responders are well-versed in reacting to a situation. It is literally what we do as firefighters, law enforcement, dispatch, and EMS personnel. When trauma enters our lives, we react to it by tucking it down away somewhere in our minds but we carry it with us and never really goes away. We need to stop carrying trauma into every aspect of our personal and professional lives. It's time to start having proactive, powerful conversations right now to gain a better balance in the responders' whole life. This is true for their families, especially the spouses. Take that first step in making some of the most important improvements in your life. Visit www.1strespondercoaching.org now to make an appointment to chat with FRC. A coach will reach out, and before you know it, you'll be on your way to living a proactively fit lifestyle. So here I am with Arjuna George from Canada, and we're talking about resiliency in the first responder uh, lifestyle, mental wellness. Uh, we're talking right now about... Um, you know, being proactive and, and specifically the, you know, the stigma and, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's always good to hear. And I, and I'll agree with you, you know, haven't been around for a while. I could definitely see that the stigma is slowly starting to, you know, dissolve. Um, and I think it is, I think it's because we're having those conversations. We're making this more of a normal conversation where, you know, years past, um, we wouldn't talk about cancer. Right. Uh, and you know, how many of our brothers and sisters have dropped because of cancer and you know this has led to uh you know having we'll call them washing machines they're not washing machines they're extractors but having your gear clean now and and not being the cool guy with the melted helmet and not using your your flash hood as a scarf in the winter and you know changing out your gloves every so often and and all this stuff you know having pre-screens and all this we talk about this it's a normal thing and that's where we're starting to get with, you know, mental wellness and, and mental health, whether it's burnout. Uh, and you're right. I don't I don't think burnout gets the play uh, that it deserves as much as, you know, PTSD currently is. Uh, and there is a difference, right? I think burnout, a lot of people uh, just assume it's, it's synonymous with, with PTSD. And it isn't. PTSD is a diagnosis. You can have burnout without having PTSD. Yes. Um, you know, and I think with that and this is always one of my favorite terms to talk about is compassion fatigue and i think that that really goes hand in hand with burnout did you when you were kind of going through your 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 movements here uh with burnout and stuff did you feel that you just couldn't deal you had no more compassion in you did that did you have that experience sure not to the degree i don't think that was the final straw for me uh, but compassion fatigue was definitely a part of my my struggle for sure where i was just feeling I just had less capacity to deal with everything in life. For me, I think there's a term that um, I just kind of came across in my research of burnout 
is moral injury. Mm. I really feel like I was dealing with moral injury. Um, as a fire chief, I was dealing with stuff that just didn't sit with my values and what I stood for. And I also just didn't have the the capacity to, to either fight it or to even have the ability and the authority to change any of those. Uh, so witnessing that day after day, it just kind of beat me down, beat me down, beat me down. And uh, I think that was kind of my final straw. A lot of people. And there's some names out there in this uh, world of, of PTSD and mental wellness that people who are breaking down the state, people like Michael Segru, um and others. Uh, and one of the, one of the things, the reason I bring up Michael Segru is administrative betrayal is uh, something people don't give a lot of weight to. Some people think that you end up, your final story ends up being a bad call, right? Uh, and a lot of times it can be the bad call, but the actual catalyst is the administrative betrayal, if you will, that is unseen the lack of support, the throwing under the bus, the, uh, well, some, in some cases, the sucking up buttercup, um, at any point in your career, did you, did you experience any of this? And you don't have to, name it. yeah, it's hundred percent. Right? Yeah. And it wasn't like a month of it or a day of it. It was decade, a decade of it easily. Um, so like a, a slow burn, it just kind of, uh, kind of fizzled away in the background and went unnoticed for a long time. Right. So, and then finally, when it got to the point of a, basically a flashover, my burnout was all right. So, and yeah, it was in the, my day that I decided it was uh, the 23rd of June in 2020. I hadn't talked to myself about this. I hadn't considered it. Hadn't talked to my wife, hadn't talked to my kids, anybody, I went outside on my lawn and called my CEO that day and said, effective today, I'm, I'm taking a leave. I just can't do this anymore. Mm. And when I hung up, I was like, where did that come from? I did right. not plan that. My body, something greater than me said, hey, you need to do this today or you might not wake up tomorrow. Uh, and that was that was a pretty powerful moment. And it's still so ingrained in me that it's like, wow, um, something was telling me to do that. And it was wasn't me. wasn't my logical mind anyways. Right. Yeah. right. It was probably always there. Uh, and it was in that moment. Yeah. And, and I think, I think a lot of us uh, who, who go through burnout and, and, you know, compassion fatigue and moral injuries, I like that term, um, and PTSD, we, we, we have that moment, right? That about face. Um, and I, and I think some can bounce back better than others. I think for a lot of us, that ends up being that like, okay, this is it. This is the end of my career. I, I can't do frontline anymore. I can't, whatever it is, whatever, whatever it's administrative betrayal, whether it's the calls, whether it's combination of personal professional stuff, you have that about face and you, you look back on your life and you're like, I have to do me or there's not going to be a me. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a scary moment. And for those who haven't been there, it is, um, it, it's whatever your higher power is. That's, that's when you're right there is when you are ready to face with whatever that is, you, you have to face yourself. Um, so when you started yeah, going yeah. through this, this is, this is like 2020, right? Yeah, 2020. What resources did you initially try to use? Yeah, it was a, a buffet of resources. I, I <laughs> honestly tried everything. I was a bit of a Guinea pig, but my, <laughs> my top ones, I guess would be, um, well, obviously counseling. So seeing a therapist was 
definitely up there. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything negative about medication, but medication does help you in a short term get mm -hmm. through those. Like you said, a coping mechanism, right? So you know, yep. me medication shouldn't be you know don't touch it; it's bad for you. It has its purpose as its time, right? Absolutely. Um, TRE was something I came across, which is tension trauma release exercises, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a way to rebalance and reset your nervous system. That was hundred percent. One of the key things that allowed me to kind of be where I am today. Uh, massage, you would think massage is, um, mm -hmm. you know, more like a spa thing and, oh, nice, nice to have, but it works though, so a much. regular massage. Yeah can really assist your body's rebalance the nervous system, vagus nerve, uh, relaxation. There's uh, so many benefits to it. And it's also a bit of talk therapy. Like I got some of my best conversations <laughs> talking to my massage therapists about burnout and stress and balance and life and everything. Right. So and why not? It's a pretty intimate situation. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. their hands are on you. It's a, I mean, all bets are off at that point. You know what I mean? I mean, what, what better yeah. take advantage of it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, acupuncture, another great one for nervous system reset, which I think is is kind of the key to a lot of people's um, stress injuries, right, is nervous system. Right. Yep. So if you kind of ignore that and you don't actually get a chance to reset the nervous system, you're basically just putting a Band-Aid on it. You need to reset that nervous system, get your body back into homeostasis, kind of rebalance, uh, or else you're not going to progress as quickly as you could, right? So, right. Never coaching, tried that. coaching, yeah. That was, that was and that would important. be, that'd be my last one. Coaching would be my last one. Um, I gained so much valuable uh, information about myself, so much chances for introspection about who I am, why I'm here, what my values are, what's really important in my life. Yeah. If I didn't have coaching, I probably would not uh, be nearly as healthy as I am today, for sure. It's one of those things. It's like a, a gate to a to a different road, to a different path. And it's one of those things when I uh, went through and I and I talk about this. Uh, I've talked about it a few times on the podcast. When I got introduced to coaching and was beginning to be coached, I realized that I had never actually stepped back and asked, "What are my values? What do I care about?" I thought I just care about the job. I thought I care about being firefighter Keith. And um, there's a lot more than just the titles we carry. Whether you're a father, a husband, a friend a son, a daughter, whatever it is, um, there are things within us that define, really define who we are beyond the job, beyond any any title or position. And um, coaching for me, and it sounds like it did for you, it gave you that introspective look to be like, hey, these are things that matter to me. This is who makes me who I am. And it was through those, those powerful conversations, those amazing questions that I was being asked um that i started to see it and that's for me that's when I, I i knew i had to become a coach i knew um it was definitely a skill uh, i would benefit from uh with everything i do i mean uh, most of my life these days is, is spent talking to people uh and asking questions and, and not being afraid to ask certain questions and uh mm. you know i know you'll probably agree that you know coaching gives you that that ability to to really have profound uh conversations with people yeah. And that's what brings me joy is with converse, uh, you know, coaching is those conversations majority of the time, they're fairly positive because they're looking forward into the future mm. growing. And for me, having a positive interaction with people every single day, 
is way better than having a whole bunch of negative conversations, putting out fires and politically wise. Yeah. So I've kind of found my dream, my dream job, second encore of, of being able to support people in a positive way uh, versus, um, you know, having that negative sour kind of um, fight essentially. Yeah. Being there on their, even, even when you go back to the job, being there on their worst day, you know, having having your your best day necessarily be their worst day, and so being able to be there to to give somebody that opportunity to have mm-hmm. good days is is definitely a a spin on I like. And uh, so with that, one of the things I want to make sure we talk about is um, is your book. I have it right here, uh, and we'll make sure the viewers at home have the info for it. So, what got you to finally bite the bullet, if you will, and and write this? Because as someone who has is in the middle of editing editing his own book is a process and is, you, is stand, process. you stand on the edge numerous times and it's like ah do i want to write this uh so what what got you to do it man yeah uh well once again back to coach um i hired a coach during my my journey of recovery because i kind of wanted to say like i don't think i'm going back operationally so what's next for me i really didn't know i was kind of like in a numb state i was just not i didn't know which direction to go so in discussions with my coach, we were sitting on my deck, having a nice conversation over a cup of coffee. And she essentially asked me like, what is it that you want to do in life that you haven't done already? And I said, well, by far it's write a book. I'm a huge reader. I I read tons of books. I have a lot of content. I want to write a book. And she said, okay, when's that going to happen? I said, well, probably, I, I don't know, probably 10, 20 years, something like that. And she challenged me right there and then. It's like, why, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? So that day, that day in September 2020, I started writing a journal, just dumping everything from my mind into that journal. No, no method to it, no organization, just spewing it out all on the pages. And it took me just over two years to get it published. Um, so it just came out on October 31st of this year, 2022. And it was a tough battle for sure. The editing, the writing was a piece of cake. Right. I love the the writing. The editing was, oh, was a, it's nightmare. a nightmare. It's a nightmare, yeah. And I came close. I was probably 90%. I came close to just saying it the book provided its its purpose. Its original purpose was therapy for me to be able to just flush out everything in my mind, all my past traumas, all my past incidents, why I think I was burned out, all these different mm. things. And I was just gonna be for me. And I was like 90% through. I'm like, there's no hope. I just want to keep this to myself. <laughs> I might as well just share this with the world. Yeah. If I sell one copy and help one person, that's it. That's, yeah. That was worth it. That was worth it. Yeah. Uh, so for me, yeah, that was, that was kind of the, the storyline there. And uh, yeah, I think I'm, I don't know, three, 400 books in, something like that now. Sold. That's great. And, uh, that's great. And it's been only a few months. So I, I think there's people out there that are experiencing some very similar stories to what I went through. So that's comforting on my end as well as their end, I think. Yeah. And I think it's great for you to, to be able to put yourself out there too. I mean, that's, that shows a lot of transparency and also show, it also shows vulnerability. And I think that's the, the underlying message, right? Is it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. This stuff, this we're human. This stuff's going to happen. And uh, for you to be able to kind of put that in a book form and get it out there, man, props to you. That's uh, is someone, like I said, someone who's, who's in the process of editing his own book. It's uh it's a lot of work uh, and it, it's a lot of vulnerability. And uh, 
strong work on, on, on getting that done for sure. I can't, I can't wait to read your book, Keith, it, but it, honestly, be, <laughs> honestly being vulnerable and being totally like not holding any cards close to my chest. I, I feel so much better in life. Oh yeah. There's like a huge weight off your shoulders. Like yep. why mess around and, and, and be guarded your whole life. Just hmm. say it how it is. And I think that's, that's to me, it's, it's lifted a huge weight off my shoulders. Huge weight. I got no problem telling any of my story to anybody. So that's it. You've, you've owned it. You've, you've healed to the point where you, where you own it. And I think that's, that's an important part of all this. And once you can own it, once you can heal, um, sky's the limit. And, uh, you know, there is no, there doesn't have to be an, an end date to, to anything, to, to careers, to, to marriages, to relationships, to whatever it is. I mean, we can, we can heal from this and, and be better and and you've you've done that and and have led those words of wisdom in your book appreciate that so as we wrap up here i always like to ask people if they have what if they had any advice for the next generation out there first responders specifically what would that be oh there's so many things but if i could <laughs> kind of capsulize it i think it would be to consider your whole body as a unit uh, don't just work on your muscles, your six pack, your, your big hmm. arms, uh, you know, for anybody, but for responders particularly, like consider your nervous system, consider your brain health, um, from day one, being a recruit, consider that, have that on the forefront of your mind, uh, right through to the, the day you retire and, and past really, and, and be open, be comfortable to be vulnerable at times. I think that's another key it's not easy thing to say or it's an easy thing to say it's not easy thing to do is be vulnerable but once you are vulnerable it's 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 a whole different life and perspective that you can live so yeah i think the biggest thing would be to consider yourself as a whole unit not just uh muscles and brawn and Mm. and and work about your you know your nervous system your organ health all these things lead to a much healthier, happier life. And you're going to be a, a, you know, a wicked firefighter as well. If you're running on optimal fuel, your body, nutrition, hydration, all these different things, just treat it as it's a machine and treat it as uh, your number one priority in life. Those are great words, man. Those are great words. It's uh, it's collectively, I think most people generally say the same thing when it comes to this, this subject, but it's always good to get, yeah you know, everyone's own take on it. So if you, if you could go back, I always ask, this is sort of the closing question I ask almost everyone. And I've been asked numerous times, you can go back and do it all over again, knowing what you know now, would you? Yep. A hundred percent. I would probably do it a little bit different, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't change anything um, because it's made me grow into the person I am today. Um, I love the fire service. I love serving the community. I love firefighting. I love the people. Uh, I love what the fire service is and what it brings um, to the world. Pretty amazing organization globally um, to be a part of. Like that's a brotherhood and sisterhood that will will never die. That's always right. going to be there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I definitely have learned some things about my own hmm. self-care that I probably would tweak if I could. Um, but I wouldn't change it because it landed me where I am today. Amen to that. Absolutely. Arjuna, this has been this has been great. Um, again, it's uh, it's always weird when you when you talk to other first responders, especially uh, I always and I said this in one of my last ones. Uh, there's like an age bracket 
uh, with us uh, in men at least. Uh, this I, I find to be between like 36 and around 52. The, a lot of us who are so open about this stuff and are willing to mm -hmm. talk about it. And it's weird when you have these conversations with people. It's they're they're saying the same things that you're thinking most of the time. Uh, like I've had most of the thoughts that you just said. I've I've had them and. I'm sure if we went back and forth, you'd probably say the same with me. And it, it, it's so, it's refreshing. And for me, it gives hope. And 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 hope is one of the reasons why this podcast exists, uh, you know, for people to to hopefully uh, find some of that by hearing other people talk about it. And, and like you and me just talked about being, being, being vulnerable, being transparent, because that is the way to live um, a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Well, kudos to you for, launching this podcast because i think that's once again that's another area another avenue to reduce that stigma across the world right not just united states or canada it's across the world right so yeah, that's the hope, that's the hope. yeah well, thank, thank you brother i appreciate that keep up the good work always well always well folks this has been an amazing episode with arjuna george from british columbia canada stay tuned for further episodes and i hope you guys all stay safe through the new year We'll see you in 2023. Much love.